Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. I'm Anthony Buzzard, inviting you again to search the Scriptures with me as we investigate Jesus' famous and favorite topic, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. I'm sure you realize that Jesus came to save lost people. In Luke 19, verse 10, he stated explicitly that his purpose in preaching the Gospel of the Kingdom was to save sinners to save lost people, that's to say, to save them from ultimate death, from extinction and from annihilation. Jesus' purpose was to grant life. He desired human beings to find the way to life and to salvation and to immortality in the future kingdom. What Jesus promised his followers was an inheritance of the kingdom of God on the earth in the future. Blessed are the meek, the gentle in spirit, Jesus said, they're going to inherit the land or the earth. And in stating that the land was to be the reward of the faithful, Jesus was affirming the great Abrahamic covenant, which indeed revolved around God's gift of the land to Abraham, who is the father of the faithful. The promise made to Abraham is the foundation of the Christian gospel. Jesus came to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs, Romans 15 and verse 8. Paul, in fact, a number of times stated that the gospel was rooted in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. In chapter 1 of Romans and verse 1, he speaks of himself as a bondservant of Messiah Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which God promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. And I note in passing that when Paul refers to the Bible, he doesn't call it the Word of God, he calls it the Holy Scriptures. The Word of God is in fact the technical term for the Gospel, the Gospel of the Kingdom as Jesus preached it. When the Bible speaks about the Bible, it refers to it as the Holy Scriptures. When it refers to the Gospel, it often refers to it as the Word of God, that creative activity of God designed to create a new the character which will fit you for and qualify you for the inheritance of the kingdom of God in the future. And the inheritance of the kingdom of God is exactly the same as the inheritance of the earth, which Jesus promises to his followers in Matthew 5 and verse 5. Now that word earth in Matthew 5 verse 5 may equally and properly be translated land. And so Jesus in Matthew 5 said this, Blessed are the meek, they're going to have the land as their inheritance. And in using that language about the land, Jesus, of course, was simply repeating and affirming the great basis of the promised inheritance found in the Hebrew Bible. Do you remember that in Psalm 37, no less than six times, the psalmist spoke about the inheritance that was to come to the faithful? It was to be the land which would be held in perpetuity by the faithful. Do you see how far removed this is from our language about heaven? What has happened in Bible study and preaching is that the word heaven has been substituted for the word kingdom of God or land. It would be helpful for Bible readers, in fact illuminating for them to see that the great promise of the land comes into the New Testament in the language of Jesus as the promise of the kingdom of God. Jesus did not promise heaven to anybody if by heaven you mean some region removed from this earth. 
there's coming a new kingdom on the earth. A new heavens and new earth, certainly, but it's the earth that God is going to restore. He may cleanse the heavens, too, of course, of all alien spirits and foreign powers, but he's going to give the earth as the inheritance to the faithful. That's what was promised to Abraham in the great covenant which God arranged between himself and the father of the faithful, as Paul calls him in Romans 4 and verse 11. In Psalm 37, no less than six times, God made absolutely clear what reward and what inheritance the righteous should expect. Let me read some of the verses of Psalm 37, which designate with complete clarity what the righteous may expect in the future. Verse 7 says this, Wait quietly for the Lord, be patient till he comes. Those who hope in the Lord will possess the land. Psalm 37, verses 7 and 9. And in verse 11 of that same psalm, we read that the humble are going to possess the land and enjoy untold prosperity. Down in verse 18, The Lord knows each day of the good man's life, and his inheritance will last forever. By contrast, in verse 20, The enemies of the Lord are going to be like fuel in a furnace, and they're going to be consumed in smoke. I note in passing that the Bible knows nothing about an eternal torment for the wicked. The unrighteous, according to Psalm 37 and verse 20, are going to be consumed in smoke. They're going to go up in smoke. They're going to be destroyed. They're going to cease to be. They will simply not exist. But by contrast, in verse 22, we read that all whom the Lord has blessed will possess the land. There are the two destinies of mankind either to be burned up, to be destroyed, to be annihilated, to cease to exist, to be reduced to a pile of ashes. But alternatively for the righteous, there's the promise of the inheritance and the possession of the land. Down in verse 27 of Psalm 37, we have this exhortation, Turn from evil and do good and live at peace forever. In verse 28, the lawless are going to be banished forever and the children of the wicked destroyed. But the righteous are going to possess the land and live in the land at peace forever. And finally in verse 34, Wait for the Lord and hold to his way. He will keep you safe from wicked men and will raise you to be master of the land. Now Jesus took up exactly that same belief in the future inheritance of the land by the righteous, and stated in Matthew 5, 5, that those who are of gentle spirit, who have developed the character of God through the Spirit of God, are going to receive the land in perpetuity as their inheritance. Now that promise is made to Christian disciples. Those promises occur not only in Genesis 12 and Genesis 13 and 14, Genesis 15 and 17. They occur repeatedly in the Psalms, in the Proverbs, and they're reaffirmed by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, that promise of the earth renewed or the land is certainly not confined to Jews. It's a colossal mistake to think that Jesus was preaching only to Jews. We know from the writings of the great Apostle Paul, the Apostle to the Gentiles, that exactly the same promise that Jesus made to his Jewish audiences is now graciously extended to us Gentiles. 
In Romans 4 verse 13, Paul spoke of the promise to Abraham and to his seed that he would be heir of the world. And he went on to say that that inheritance, that promise of the land or the world made to Abraham could not be attained through the law, but only through the righteousness that comes by faith. And faith means believing and trusting in God's promises. Abraham is the model for that sort of faith. He believed God, and it was reckoned to him as uprightness. In Galatians 3, in verse 13, Paul said that Christ came to redeem us from the curse of the law by being cursed for our sake, since Scripture says anyone hanged is cursed. So that the blessing of Abraham, Paul went on to say, that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles in Messiah Jesus, and so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. And the promised Spirit, I have to remind you, is a down payment of a much greater promise which will come to us in the future when we inherit the kingdom or inherit the land. Now, Paul in Galatians 3 and verse 15 went on to say that the law of Moses did not cancel the great promises made to Abraham. He speaks as follows, To put it in human terms, my brothers, even when a will is only a human one, once it's been ratified, nobody can cancel it or add more provisions to it. Now, the promises... That's to say the promises of the land and the distinguished seed who was Christ. The promises were addressed to Abraham and to his progeny. The words were not and to his progenies in the plural, but in the singular. And to your progeny, God said to Abraham, which means Christ. I'm reading there from Galatians chapter 3, verses 15 onwards. What I'm saying is this, Paul continued, once a will had been long ago ratified by God, the law, coming 430 years later, could not abolish it and nullify its promise. And so you see, Paul concluded, if the inheritance comes by the law, if, that's to say, our reward of inheriting the earth with Jesus is to be given us because of our law-keeping, it no longer can come through a promise but God gave that promise to Abraham as a gift. Galatians chapter 3, verses 15 to 18. I think you'll see there that Christianity, as Paul taught it, was based on the land promises and the promise of the great descendant made to Abraham. And that promise can only come to us in the future if we now assert our faith in those promises and in Jesus Christ, who is the recipient of the great promise. The scheme and the plan of God is really very simple. God made this perpetual inheritance available to Abraham. Abraham never received it during his lifetime. That promise comes to Jesus Christ, who is the singular seed, as opposed to plural seeds. And we then, as sharing in the promise in Jesus Christ, will also be recipients of the promised inheritance. You see, the inheritance made to Abraham was made directly also to the distinguished seed of Abraham, Jesus Christ. And so Paul can say in Galatians 3.19, What is the purpose of the law? The law was added to deal with crimes until the progeny, that's to say Christ, the progeny to whom the promise had been made should come. And then, of course, Jesus did come. 
He announced the great inheritance which was going to be his, the inheritance of the kingdom, and he makes the promise of that inheritance available to all of us by faith in him. The promise then can be given only by faith in Jesus Christ, Paul said in Galatians 3, verse 22. It can be given only by faith in Jesus Christ to those who have this faith, that's to say the faith of Abraham, Abraham's faith in the great promise and the covenant established between God and himself. Listen to the grand conclusion of the Apostle Paul as he sums up God's wonderful arrangements and plans and contracts made between Abraham and us as the seed of Abraham. If you are Christians, Paul said in Galatians 3.29, then you are reckoned as the descendants of Abraham, and you become heirs according to the promise, the promise of the land that is made to Abraham and to Jesus. Now let me tell you in conclusion what has made this whole simple matter of the land promise very confusing. It's simply that Christians have substituted the word heaven where they should have been speaking about the land. Jesus insisted that the land or the earth is to be the destined inheritance of the Christians. We constantly talk about heaven, so-and-so is in heaven. When I get to heaven, I'm hoping to go to heaven and so on. We should be saying, I hope to inherit the kingdom, to inherit the land promise made to Abraham. If we spoke that language, we would share the mind and spirit of Jesus Christ. Request from us our free book on the kingdom of God, also an article on the covenant made with Abraham. Join us again for our continued discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.